his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. The school year is well underway and most children are back in the classrooms, but have things settled down? In Chicago, the teachers' union and the Lori Lightfoot administration are still wrangling over COVID testing. Some teachers complain that they don't have access to key classroom software, and a lot of folks are just tired. Does all this sound stressful? Well, this weekend, we'll hear from folks on the ground. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. In their third month of classroom learning, have the fears and anxieties of 2020 and the pandemic started to recede into the background? Well, maybe not. The nonprofit group Communities and Schools of Chicago reports that Chicago public school students are still struggling with loss, anxiety, and the challenges caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and the problems and changes that it brought. And those people ought to know. We're going to talk with two top officials with CIS about what they see in the schools because that's where they are. My guests this weekend are Jane Mensinger, who has been the chief executive officer of CIS for two decades, and Lauren Patrick, better known as Lowe, uh, CIS's senior director of integrated student supports. And I thank both of you for joining me. And we are conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing. Uh, Jane Mensinger, you're the leader in the developing of strategies and tactics that CIS uses to carry out its mission. So tell us a little bit more about what that mission entails. First, thanks, Craig, for having us today. We really appreciate, appreciate that opportunity. So our mission is about focusing on students in Chicago, and we want to surround them with a community of support so they can succeed in school and life. And our goal is around high school graduation. That is what we're pointed towards. We're, our big vision is that each and every Chicago public school student can graduate from high school prepared for their next step in their life, their college, their career, whatever it could be. And we do that work by partnering with 175 Chicago public schools. And we work to connect those schools and students and families with a range of services and programs to support the students in school academically socially, emotionally, in all the various ways that lead to academic and school success. So that's, that's what we're here to do. And let me ask you, though, how, how that partnership with CPS works to determine, frankly, which schools and students need the services? Part of our mission at Communities and Schools is to focus on communities that are underserved and typically have been under-resourced for generations in some cases. 
So we want to identify schools and communities that can really benefit from additional services, additional supports, from some of the social, emotional, counseling, mental health needs that aren't prevalent in, in those schools and in those communities. So we serve across the city of Chicago. We're in 56 of the 77 neighborhoods, um, but focused on schools that really don't have access to the resources. Um, Lo Patrick, you're a team leader of the folks who provide or supervise the actual services that CIS delivers. Um, mm-hmm. You 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 don't all do it all alone. Uh, I guess there are, there are partnerships within partnerships. Can you tell me a little bit about how that network works? Sure. So the program that I manage here at Communities and Schools of Chicago is where we have 30 schools that we provide a clinician, master's level clinician at the school. They're there four uh, four days a week. And their role, one of the first things we do whenever we get into a school is do a needs assessment to figure out what are the school's priorities? where, Where are the gaps in resources and services so that we can make sure we are bringing in additional partners that can fill those gaps. Um, the, our clinicians also work with a caseload of students that are referred by the school, determined, as Jane was mentioning before, really determined on if, if a student is off track either academically, um, uh, because of attendance, because of behavior, or just because of needing some more social emotional learning skills. So we use those targets to really be working on interventions that are going to support students. And then in terms of the needs of the school, we have a fantastic um, resource of almost 200 community partners that we can bring in at no cost to the school for filling those gaps of if they don't have an art teacher and they want a lot of arts programs or they're really looking for some behavior and more behavioral and mental health supports, we have community partners that we can bring into the schools to support them. You're a uh, social worker by profession, Lo. I have to assume that that uh, serves as a key perspective, uh, gives you a key perspective on all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the really important um, thing that we have to remember about schools is to really look at the whole school or the whole child. So I, I think it's really important. We think of the school as our client. And so what we want to do is, is, support them wherever we can and, and really think about what are, what's going well at the school. We wanna think about um, the strengths of the school so that we're reinforcing the, those strengths. And then where there are some challenges, we just, we wanna help remove barriers so that those challenges go away. And that's really on a school-wide level as well as with an individual student. Now, I wanna talk a little bit about the, the landscape that we're, we're viewing here. And, and frankly, what uh, gave us the impetus for doing this interview, um, because, I mean, the presence in 175 uh, Chicago public schools, uh, the, the education and mental health experts in, embedded in, the other, in some of them, uh, presumably these are students who needed extra supports even before COVID-19 turned everything upside down. So I, I, I have to think that it made, it's, I hesitate to say bad things, 
but it made challenging things more challenging. Uh, is that what you're seeing? Yeah, I, I'll jump in there first on this, Craig, because I think that's exactly right. I think before COVID, there were lots of challenges out there, and that was our role. We've been working in schools for more than 30 years, and because we know that um, where every, where every student there's opportunity, there's not always access every student has potential, there's not always access to that opportunity that they need to achieve in school and, and go from grade to grade and ultimately graduate. So um, we've been doing this, but one of the things with the pandemic is it really has laid bare some of the inequities that exist across the city of Chicago in our education system, in our social service safety net. And it has really highlighted um, and exacerbated, I think, some of those needs that are out there for our students and families. And that's where we've come in. So when we were in the virtual world, we were trying the best we could to support students, schools, teachers virtually, right? And now that we're back in school, we're back in person with them. And we're really seeing as we see some of these in-person relationships, and I think Lo can talk more about this, we're seeing some of that, that challenges. Uh, for example, so much more anxiety and stress um, and concern about health. And really, you know, we're not fully out of the pandemic, so we're still dealing with that. And um, when you think about grief, too many of our young people, our young students have to deal with grief early in their life. And there has been a lot of grieving going on about the loss of not just being in school, but um, could be the loss of parents or caregivers or people in their family, as well as loss of jobs for people they know. And, and there's a lot of loss going around. And that has long-term impacts for our young people. So, I mean, Lil can share a little bit more, but those, but they existed before and they've just been um, just exacerbated and um, heightened in a way that we've never seen. Yeah, and Lo Patrick, I would like you to, to, to expand on that a little bit more because you're, you're talking to, and sometimes I assume being one, one of the people on the ground uh, and what are you seeing as yeah. these students come back to what, in otherwise would be considered a, a safe place or at least a, a, a place of comfort? Yeah. So initially there were, we were seeing more fights happening because students hadn't, they just hadn't been around each other for a year and a half. And they were really having to figure out how to be in community again. So there was a, there's been a lot of having to reset school cultures. Um, we support the school to do that in a number of ways. Um, uh, our staff have been running peace circles. Um, I did, I was just talking to one of our staff members last week and she was telling me how there were a lot of fights at her school and What's great, though, is that because she's been able to build relationships with the students through peace circles, now some of them are coming to her before a fight happens so that she can work on squashing it prior to the fight even happening. So that's we are seeing more we're seeing more fights. Um, and that is starting to lessen, I think, as the first quarter is ending. We're seeing um, just the readjustment to school. So for the littlest ones who've never been in school, learning how to do school right? Um, figuring out how to walk in the hallways, stand in line, all the things that you usually teach anyways, but that are really needing to be reinforced in grade levels where usually this, the students have already got that kind of down pat. Um, so we're supporting teachers with that as well. And really doing a lot of consulting with teachers who are also feeling stress and anxiety. So, I mean, we've talked about the students feeling a lot more stress and anxiety and having to provide just a, a, a sounding board or a listening ear for students. We're also have seen more of that with teachers um, and 
principals are realizing it too and are asking us to support teachers more formally than than in the past. We've been um, our staff have been tapped to do more professional development than usual. Um, we've always done it, but again, this is one of those things that just we're doing more of now. Um, really, whether it's around like stress 101 or mindfulness moments at a weekly staff meeting or just reminding the teachers about restorative practices to use with students to help with conflict resolution. So um, I would say, and, and then in terms of like supporting the grief and trauma that Jane was mentioning, we have been running grief groups. We have been running healing circles, also working with students individually, because while some students really like that group support, other students really just want to have the one-on-one -on -one conversation and don't want, don't want to necessarily talk about their feelings in a group. So we, we are able to provide both of those. And we also go into classrooms and co-facilitate with teachers. Um, recently, uh, one of our staff members did that in the eighth grade classrooms of her school. And one of the went in and talked about stress 101 and talked about like what's happening in your body when there's stress and what can you do about it? And one of the, um, one of the students afterwards said, thank you for those tools. Now I have something to do when I'm feeling stressed out. So what we want, what we know is going on are more, more, more feeling, more bigger feelings, right? Around grief, around feeling worried or stressed, um, feeling like, uncomfortable being being around so many people because a lot of students have really been in their homes and then are now in a whole classroom with 25, 30 students. It's a really big shift for some students. So helping them name and manage their feelings is a really big part of what we've been doing. And when you have to uh, deal with not only the students as, as groups, but also deal with the students who do need that, especially when you're dealing with grief, uh, that individual attention, yeah. frankly, are there enough people, are there enough resources to go around to be able to meet what are bigger or more diverse needs? Uh, Jane, let me, I mean, from a, from a big picture yeah. standpoint, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I think, I think the good news is there are more resources now, right? There are, there are the Chicago Public Schools has, and most school districts have more resources, right? Coming from the federal government, coming from, you know, state government, they have more resources. And I would say there's more resources and the need is more, right? The needs are greater. So we have to, we have to balance both of those things. So I think there are, the, the district, um, Chicago Public School District is doing a lot of good things. They've talked about and they've implemented a healing centered framework, right? So they created a whole framework and initiative around supporting the mental health and well-being of students, which is great. Uh, and we also have 300,000 students across the district. So there's a lot, there are a lot of kids out there and kids and parents and, and families and as well as teachers. So um, when we get asked this question, I would say, yeah, there, there's more resources and there's more need. So, um, and I think the other thing, I think a really important point to make is there's what we can do in the immediate, right? Right now, the first couple of months of school as we're adjusting, kids are readjusting what we can do. I think we'll see some of these behavioral challenges. I think we'll see that taper off probably as kids get adjusted. Longer term, I think we are on a journey here. Um, this is not a flip a switch for kids with um, anxiety and stress and 
and some of the deeper issues about isolation and loneliness and things like that. We need to, we need to focus on that. I also want to mention, I think in the context of the pandemic, we also have the violence that's happening in our city and some of the other struggles in our community. We can't ignore that. Cumulatively, there's a big, big impact. I am hopeful though, I will say in all this, that with the conversation that we're having like this around mental health, around the needs and some of the priorities that our schools are putting, that we're going to see more work being done because more work needs to be done. So I think that is that is a hopeful aspect of where we are. We're going to see more resources dedicated to something that hasn't had enough resources dedicated to it in the past. And I'm speaking particularly around mental health and the mental wellness of our, of our students and our families. And I do want to talk to you a little bit more about that. Uh, you're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're talking about continuing anxieties in the classrooms and hallways as students uh, continue a school year after the year that wasn't. Uh, my guests are Jane Menzinger, CEO of the group Communities and Schools and of Chicago and, uh, and CIS Director of Integrated Student Supports, Low Patrick. And yeah, what about students who had mental health challenges before the pandemic? Um, are there some common threads? I know you were talking about um, more aggression, but uh, are there other common things that you're seeing and how do you address those uh, as, as this year goes on, as really people need to be able to get back into those patterns? Uh, Lo? Sure. Yeah, I think one of the things that the, um, has happened in with the pandemic is that the idea of mental health and mental wellness has really come to the forefront. People are talking about it more. People are more open about the idea. So I, I bring that up because there's often, you know, just in our society, there's like some stigma around mental health or mental health concerns. And so I think one of the things that has happened is it, this pandemic has brought up the fact that, hey, I'm not the only one that's feeling lonely, like you noted, or stressed or anxious. Um, and so I think because of that, we are seeing more students um, coming to us and naming their feelings, as well as more teachers and administrators coming to us and saying, hey, I'm concerned about this student because of, because of what I'm seeing or hearing from them. So we are, realizing and supporting students who do have some very serious mental health issues um, that that is that, that's just coming to the forefront for them. So we we do provide them with the, the additional supports and get them to resources that they need in order to um, manage those manage those issues. Um, I would also say just in terms of the what, what we're seeing in terms of that, uh, that aggression and violence, that one of the things that um, we always wanna make sure of too is just getting to the root causes of it so that we're allowing the students to really talk it out and come up with solutions that work for them rather than using, um, using aggression or violence. And that's been a really effective tool. And you mentioned this uh, too, Jane, that the kind of violence that we're talking about isn't just and frankly is not mainly in school, it's outside of the schools and that it seems that the world, the neighborhoods have become more violent. And how is that following the students in or is, or, or is it following them in 
or are they able to find the school a, a place of relief? Yeah, I think I think it is important to say that schools um, almost always are the safe place for our kids to come to, right? Schools schools are safe, and I think that is an important message to have. And I think you can't ignore that students aren't just in school; they might be in school six or eight hours a day, but they're living in their communities and they're having to deal with what's happening in their communities and their families sometimes even, and that is kind of the the backpack of burdens that they sometimes bring with them into school. And how do we do that? And I think as a society, we have a responsibility because we're failing our students if we can't take away some of that burden in their backpack and help them. We're about removing barriers, right? This is the barriers that our young people have to student, to school and to school and life success, right? And as a society, I think, and as a nonprofit at CIS, we believe that it's our responsibility to remove those barriers, to let every student um, realize their potential, right? Realize the potential that they have in each in each of them. And I think collectively we have that responsibility and we we are focused on it because the violence, it's too many of our kids have seen things and heard things that no young person should see or hear or have to deal with. It just, it's a truth. And we can't necessarily deal with all of that. But what, what Lois talked about is we can help our young people understand how to process their feelings, how to give them some tools and strategies about managing that, right? And give them some foundation in how to deal with what they're seeing and hearing and experiencing around them. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I, I would add, I would add to that, that really what we often do is, um, be that person that on the, you know, especially Monday mornings, right, when there's been a whole weekend of community violence that's occurred, unfortunately, for way too many of our students. Um, a lot of times our staff are spending time just checking in with individual students that they know would need that extra just moment or two of support so that we, we do that really intentionally um, as a way of prevention so that, because obviously one of our main goals, right, is to have students on track to graduate. And we know that the more we can keep them engaged in school and, and able to get through the school day successfully, then that, you know, the better. And so giving them that, that five minutes in the morning to get them back on track, ready to go. So that school is that truly safe place because it's a place where they could sort of let out their feelings. Then they're able to stay in school that day, that week, and, and continue to get their education. So there's really that, the, the intersection of like education academics and social emotional support is so integral into the work that we do. I do wanna talk just for a couple of minutes uh, about uh, the teachers and staff, uh, because yes, you, as you said, you are seeing and, and being asked to deal with them more in a, in a job that was probably anxiety laden anyway, uh, and, and how's that going? Yeah, well, I will say teachers work incredibly hard and this year they are stepping up and working even harder. Um, they are not only trying to support students with all these additional emotions, um, that we've been talking about in terms of the losses that, that students have experienced, but they've also experienced their own loss. And so they are really having to, manage not only how they're feeling about being back in school and losses that they've been experiencing, but knowing that their, their role is to really get students back on, 
back on as much track as possible um, academically. And so that's, there's a lot of pressure there too that they put on themselves. And um, we really want to be sounding boards for them. So we informally are, are a place where students or teachers can come and just sort of let their hair down and say, oh my gosh, you won't believe the day I had. We allow for that. And then we also just really do provide that formal um, professional development around stress and trauma, um, mindfulness moments for teachers that they can use right then and there, and then also use in their classroom. So we want to always make sure that they have really great strategies and techniques to use with their students as well as for themselves. Jane Menzinger, I, I want to ask you, as because we only have a few minutes left, uh, now that we're in it, how do we get through it? Uh, I, I, are there any recommendations, things that should be done differently or better that from this stage going forward? I think first we have to continue having these conversations, right? And know that there are people out there and there are resources that we can draw upon to support our students, to support our families, to support our teachers who are, you know, some of the heroes among us and, and um, make sure that every student has access to everything that they need to be successful in school and in life, right? So we have to draw upon all those resources and it's organizations like Communities in School and other nonprofits that are out there, as well as resources, financial resources that we need to do. And it's step-by-step step here. We're gonna do this step-by-step, step, you know, a, a time, a, a, a day at a time. And we have to look not only at the immediate, but we also have to keep our eye on the longer term and where we're going. And that we need to make sure that we have continued supports for our young people and our schools. That's gonna be critical, I think. Um, this is not going to be over in a few months. Even if we make our way to the other side of the pandemic, we still have a lot of work to do, and we have to make sure that we're focused focused on our young people. Well, we know that not-for-profit groups are working overtime on doing those kinds of things. What does government need to be doing right now? What does it need to be talking about and doing? Government needs to be talking about uh, talking about our young people and talking about what the opportunities are for the young people. Government needs to make sure they're allocating the dollars, which they are allocating those dollars and making sure, like in school districts, they're getting directed in the right places, that we're using those financial resources wisely. And I think that is, and they can't just be focused on the short term, they need to be focused on the longer term. I think that's really important. This is not gonna be done in two years. We're gonna be working at this day in and day out for a while. And uh, I think until, really until every student has what they need to succeed in school and in life. Um, are there specific areas where you would like to see more investment uh, low? What would, what would help you uh, on the ground uh, help the teachers, help the students better? Yeah, I think that really just, I just really want to piggyback on what Jane was talking about. I mean, I think um, the more resources that we can bring in, I mean, because we have one staff person in, in, a, in 30 schools, it would be great to have additional staff people in more schools. Um, and, but even within that, knowing that there are more resources that we can refer students out to um, would be fantastic. So I think it's really around supporting the community organizations and the nonprofits that are community-based and not and not in the school, so that so that the school community can really be strengthened by the neighborhood 
um, resources right around it. Are you seeing cases even this early where this kind of intervention is making a difference? Absolutely. And thank you for asking that. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about um, an, a, another conversation I was having with a, with one of our staff people who was talking about that they, they had some students that were pretty disengaged during the virtual learning, just not, you know, they really were not very engaged. And this year, at least two of them are like coming back into this, the building. They are there. Their attendance is up. Their, their academics are up. And she's just really excited about the, the difference that has been able to make by keeping, keeping the relationship going during virtual and then being able to really use that relationship and just launch them for this, for this coming year. So that's been great. And I would also say, I, I actually was able to be at a school and heard a student say, when, when asked like the question of, well, what would you tell a school that didn't have communities in schools? Why would you tell them that it's important to have communities in schools of Chicago? And she sort of sat back stunned and said, I thought this was in every school. So um, for her, that relationship that she has with her, with her staff person, um, with, with our communities and schools uh, staff person is just fundamental to what makes her feel supported and valued at school. Well, we are going to end on that, uh, that note of hope and thank you both for doing this. That was Lo Patrick, and I also want to thank Jane Menzinger, both of Communities and Schools of Chicago, for spending this half hour with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcast on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? ...a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone. Whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, 
empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.